0: Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Apache, joined by none other than the one and only Harris Kermani, here to break down this wonderful, I mean wonderful, Thursday, January 13th slate for you guys. We have five games on the docket, but Harris, my good friend, we're getting closer on a trade. Update for everyone listening. We're getting closer. still, Still a little distance away, but by the time you guys next listen to the show, there might be something done in the works, but how are you, my friend?
1: <laughs> yeah, it just uh, seems to be that little bridge in between uh, Mobley and Cole Anthony that we just need to figure the rest out. But I'm sure it'll come through by the time we get to our uh, Sunday pod. Otherwise, doing pretty well. Uh, this week's been pretty hectic for me work-wise, but glad to get a little basketball to get the mind off of things. Five games slate, can't complain about that. And they're all pretty... Uh, Pretty, should be pretty competitive games, I'm thinking, by and large. I mean, we've got Golden State-Milwaukee headlining it, but a couple of other games I'd actually look forward to watch in general.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that that game's definitely going to take the cake, and it's the first one of the night, so, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to act to follow, I think, with some of these other games. But they're all good, like, fantasy games, which is always fun for DFS. You know, there's, there's a bunch of, like, you know, random teams on here, uh, but we can always find some value on pretty much all these teams that are enticing, and some um, matchups seem to be fine. But before we jump into anything, quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor over at Thrive Fantasy Guys. Come prop up with us. What are you doing if you haven't? Thrive is a daily fantasy sports and eSports app for player props. With Thrive, you eliminate countless hours of research and focus only on top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available player prop bets to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fancy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. So hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win – a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 50000 in guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA and has awarded over $6 million so far. So how do you sign up? You go to your app store, you go to your play store, you can visit their website at www.thrivefancy.com. When you do sign up, enter the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. That's promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Sign up and come prop with us. All right, my friend, we have Golden State versus Milwaukee, the headliner of the night. This game's going to be in Milwaukee. For the Warriors, Draymond Green, Moses Moody, Quindary Weatherspoon, and James Wiseman all rolled out. And then for the Bucks, George Hill, Luke Kornet, Brooke Lopez are all rolled out. Drew Holiday is doubtful. So it doesn't look like we're going to see Drew returning just yet. This game has a 223 game total highest of the game on the oh, second highest i apologize second highest of the games available tonight milwaukee's being favored by two points i will pass it over to you talk about the warriors is it time to or can we pull the trigger on clay yet or are you still proceeding with caution
1: yeah i mean some of the sheen of the matchup gets taken away with draymond not being there it just takes a little bit of the oomph out of it all but clay He's clearly still being handled with kid gloves as far as his minutes are concerned. We've already been told that he's going to play in Thursday and rest on Friday. So perhaps they give him a little bit more of a leash on this game to try and uh, get him out there for a little bit longer. But still, at this current price tag at 5900 he's currently just sitting there to essentially shoot. It's like they're trying to get their shooting rhythm back in. He got 18 shots up in the first game, 13 in the other. But his ancillary stats are still going to take their time to get back into the groove. So at the moment, I mean, at the most, I think his... Uh, his ceiling is to be able to get to around that payoff 5X point, which honestly, I think there's other options around that uh, 5,000 mark that I'm more interested in in some of these other teams. So I'm probably going to avoid Clay. Uh, I do think Curry's in a great spot here to kind of really get back into the groove of things. He's kind of, even though he had a pretty good. DFS game against Memphis he just couldn't shoot anything he was having a lot of trouble down the road uh, especially in the second half there and I just think Memphis is a matchup that he just doesn't enjoy it so he's really going to be looking forward to get himself back on track against the Milwaukee Bucks I think at 11-2 he's probably my second favorite spend up today after I looked over everything that's probably where I'm looking. And as we saw with Draymond Green going out, it was Auto Porter that picked up pretty much the majority of those minutes. Again, the usage becomes a concern with Clay there. I mean if he's putting up 18 shots, you're obviously not going to be getting a lot of shots for guys like Jordan Poole, Auto Porter, Andrew Wiggins. So I just kind of have them off to the side. but of those ancillary guys between Auto Porter and Kevin Looney are probably my Kevin Looney are probably my uh, two guys that I'm a little bit more interested in. I do believe Kevon Looney will get back closer to that uh, mid 20s as far as his minutes is concerned, rather than the 18 that he got in the Memphis game. But again, he's more of a solid pick rather than something with a juicy upside.
0: Yeah, when he's like in that like high 3K mark is when I really look at him at 47. I mean, we've seen a 40 DK point game from him earlier in the season, but just don't I don't trust it uh, to be honest with the Looney. But I'm I'm with you. I think this is a good spot for Curry. Uh, not my favorite spend up either, but doesn't mean you can't play Steph Curry. Uh, we just, we noticed in the past. Obviously, there's no Drew Holiday. Most likely, he's doubtful. So take their best perimeter their defender that would be on Curry off the court, uh, and the Bucks struggle against three-point shooting. So if this ever, if there ever was a good get-right game, and I'm I'm just gonna go out there and I haven't checked. I'm just gonna assume this is a nationally televised game. Uh, there's no reason why it wouldn't be. So maybe you can maybe you can help me there, Harris. But I'm just gonna imagine uh, of all the games on tonight's slate, this has to be the nationally televised game. But well, there's going to yeah. be two. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I
1: mean, it is—it's definitely a TNT game. So there you go. That's yeah. There you go. It's your national game right there.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't make any sense. I mean, somebody would get fired if if it <laughs> wasn't. Uh, but I'm kind of with you. I'm going to still proceed with caution with Clay Thompson. And uh, you know, we we know he's lightning in a bottle. He looks good. Wouldn't it shock me if he goes out here and knocks down five three pointers in 24 minutes or something like that. With that being said, though, we have uh, a decent amount of guard options on this slate, and I don't think I need to force it in there. I'll probably just be with you on Otto Porter. I think some of these other guys make for tournament plays, uh, like Wiggins at 63. That's a fair price tag for him. But he's not somebody I'm overly excited about. And I'll I'll probably end up leaving it there. Um, Also could be a game where we see a decent amount of Andre Iguodala. They're going to have to do all different sorts of combinations to throw at Giannis in this one. with No Draymond Green in there. Uh, And I think Juan Toscano or Anderson pretty much burned everybody to the point where, yeah, I don't think we're playing Juan for, for quite some time after that one. Uh, on the buck side of things, Giannis is all the way up to 12.3. So it's an like expensive price tag for him. Is he worth it? Sure. Is he my favorite stud? No, he is not. So I just don't think I'm going to end up falling on Giannis all that much. Chris Middleton's now getting to a pretty pricey price tag. Pretty pricey price tag. That sounds terrible, but $8,700. Uh, he's been performing with the usage, with the minutes that he's absorbed with Drew Holiday out. And the best part about his game is that he's facilitating like crazy. 8700 you pretty much need like a, like a 43 to 45 point return to really you know hit home. Warriors defense, even with Draymond out, is still rock solid. They've had one of the best defenses this year. Draymond obviously is a big key cog in that defense, and it's going to definitely impact things. Uh, despite that, though, I think the biggest boom for Wiggins when he first came over to Golden State was that he was one of their best perimeter defenders as well. Like this team is just solid all around. They got Gary Payton to throw out people too. I don't love attacking the the high price guys, and I, this sounds terrible because this game's got the second highest total on the slate. There's going to be a, a ton of ton of like some people are going to go off in here, uh, but I'm probably going to lean more towards some of these value plays. Like I don't I don't mind looking at Bobby Portis at 69, uh, but Jordan Nawara 5K as long as he's playing big minutes like he has been with Drew Holiday out that should continue. There's no reason why it shouldn't. Don't mind looking at him. I think looking at a guy like Pat Connington at 38. Uh, he makes a little bit of sense in tournaments. You can't really trust him in cash. But he had his first game back since COVID. Played thirty twenty-three minutes. He shot oh of six. It's not going to happen every game. Uh, but this feels like it's one of those games where he can have a pretty nice bench night. So I'm mostly looking at just like Portis, Nawara, maybe a little Conanton, But you tell me. Uh, are you spending up on Middleton? Or are you spending up on Giannis? So I'm not spending up on Giannis, but I do really
1: like Middleton. Anytime he gets the opportunity to be a primary facilitator, and as we've seen in the last two games, it's Even though he's shooting pretty well, I mean, don't get me wrong, 9 of 17, 10 of 19 is great in that sense, but more so than that, as you said, it's the the facilitation, it's the fact that he's also getting a lot of rebounds as a result of it all as well. It's just a great spot where I think as long as he's below 9,000, I feel pretty confident that he should be able to get to that floor without much concern. It's not necessarily the uh, sweetest spot, but you do have to remember against Golden State, Middleton's actually done quite well historically. I mean, last year, his splits were 29 and a half, three and six against them, and that was with the team fully healthy as well. So he's consistently been a guy who has given them a lot of trouble just because of the fact that he has so much to his game. That mid-range has been really, really key for him against the Golden State Warriors in the previous matchups as well. It wasn't as much as three-pointers. It was the fact that he was really efficient in that mid-range game that was killing him. So, to me, I'm absolutely happy with going with Chris Middleton, given the fact that he's a small forward as well, who's going to be the point guard. And Jordan Noora was my second guy as well. Uh, Bobby Portis, as you said, at 6,900, I'm, you know, he burnt me a little bit in that Charlotte one. I had him pretty decent amounts there, and obviously I pumped him up quite a bit for that Monday game as well. So I was really hoping he would do a little bit more than he did offensively. But again, 11 rebounds is there. He just needs a little bit more on the shooting side to be able to get his value as well. So I think he's a rock-solid play. But Chris Middleton is my, uh, actually, I guess at 8,700, he might actually end up being my favorite uh, expensive tier guy. That's not a full-out stud, so take that for what it is.
0: Hey, glad I won't fault you at all. I mean, I get it. Um, I think it's more for me just kind of trying to anticipate that ownership and you know what he needs. You can easily pay that off. I don't think he's going to come out here and drop 60. Uh, I could see 50. You know, no doubt about it. Um, But even if he gets 50, 87, there could still be other routes for an optimal lineup out there. I don't know if he needs to be part of it. And depending on what his ownership is looking like, might change my mind a little bit. But as of right now, I don't see myself going to him all too much. I think there's some other 8K guys, high sevens guys on this slate that I can see getting 40 to 50 as well. But I'll never flaunt you on Chris Middleton, especially with no holiday in there. Next game, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Minnesota. Traveling to Memphis, taking on the Grizzlies. For the injury report, Stephen Adams is questionable. Dylan Brooks is ruled out. Uh, everyone except for Jalen Noel and Leandro Balmaro. look like they're going to play. Jalen Noel is doubtful with that ankle sprain. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Uh, this game is coming in. This is, I believe, the highest of the night, 228.5. Memphis being favored by 4.5 points. I will pass it over to you from Minnesota.
1: Yeah, and this matchup has been just a little bit weird in the sense of looking at people's splits because the last one is just such a ridiculous blowout that you could go ahead and turn that aside. But a good game to be able to look back on is the one earlier in the season that they had that went uh, to overtime, 125-118. And that's where you really got to see the opportunities to really get the upside with some of these guys. So uh, Carl Anthony Towns at 10,000 is probably just at that mark where he's pretty fairly priced. But frankly, he had that he had the one game against them where he did incredibly well, had a big double 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 up against it. And his splits went down because the second game was such a blowout. He only played about twenty minutes there. So he's definitely got the upside to do quite well against a Memphis team. If especially they're missing out on Steven Adams, they're gonna really have tr- trouble with the size out there and the fact of the matter that he can go ahead and stretch the floor out is really going to cause Jaron Jackson to keep coming out to him. And the, these are the kind of games where Jaron Jackson can get into foul trouble. So at 7,200, I'll probably end up avoiding him on the other side. But I really do like pretty much their trifecta over here, given the fact that this is going to be a high scoring game. As you said, the highest total game of the night. But in general, this Minnesota Memphis matchup, especially Memphis at home, we've seen. Overtime earlier in this year, even going back to the year prior, it's always been a game that's gone really tight. So I expect the Stars to really have the opportunity to show up. D'Angelo Russell has been outsized as far as this matchup is concerned. His, uh, in his two games, 47 DK points in both of those, and I think at 7,900, he's just always one of those guys that's great to throw in a tournament because he can just he can go off. He just has uh, that 7,000 price tag consistently, and in the last uh, three games, two of them, he's gone 52, 48, and even on the one against New Orleans still had 38.7 so the the floor is incredibly safe with him it's between him and uh, Anthony Edwards even though Anthony Edwards is probably the more safe guy to be able to go with if i'm playing tournaments i usually find myself leaning more towards russell because he's got that ability to be a human torch and uh, probably end up going that way a little bit more as far as uh, between both of them are concerned but i think i'm going to find myself in a decent amount of exposure to this game just given how my lineups are are working out. I may not have a lot of cat, even though I think he'll probably do pretty well, but I may find myself with a lot more Russell.
0: I'm kind of right there with you. I, I do prefer Russell over Edwards ever so slightly. uh very close. I mean, I think there's two guards in that range that had you know really piqued my interest on this slate, and that's kind of where i just pivot off of each other and go with one in one lineup, go with one in another lineup sort of thing. we'll get to that guard in a little bit. The only other option I'm really looking at outside of Russell would be Patrick Beverly at fifty three. Uh, we should probably start to see those minutes creep up a little bit more now, especially with uh, Jalen Well being doubtful. Uh, him and Beasley are pretty much the only two guards that this team has any trust in off the bench at this point. So I imagine that they're they're both playing pretty significant minutes. We know that they like to play Beverly against top point guards just to be a pest. Uh, he's one of the guys that will try to keep up with John Morant. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But, uh, you know. Odd shooting splits, but he's averaging in 25 and a half minutes, 27 and a half DK points. Don't love that price tag, but he's one of the guys I always say if I land on him, I'm not upset. Not a guy I'm necessarily building around, but those are probably the only two guys I'll end up having real exposure in in this game. On uh, the Memphis side of the ball, definitely a lot of options that we could look at, uh, you know, especially with Steven Adams. If he does sit, I think we go back to the Brandon Clark. Well, 5,200, no doubt about that. I think De'Anthony Melton at 4,400. Dylan Brooks out, coming off a terrible, terrible game. He also had four fouls in that one. Only played 12 minutes against Golden State. De'Anthony Melton is the definition of a tournament play. Now, you could chase the Tyus Jones game. I probably will not. It's just my preference. Um, I'd rather just go with the go with the risk. I guess of De'Anthony Melton. And then if we see Zaire Williams start at 3,500, not the highest floor, not the highest ceiling, but anytime a guy's playing 30 plus minutes and he's only like less than you know, 4K or 3,500, he's in play. But I'm really just looking at a lot of these ancillary guys. So for the most part, it'll probably be like, you know, uh, Brandon Clark if Steven Adams sits, Anthony Melton in tournaments. Um, probably not going to be chasing Kyle Anderson. I know he had that big game against LA, but I really like him. Like if, if they start Jaren at the five, and then put Anderson at the four, that's a different story. I like Kyle Anderson when he's playing the four. I don't like Kyle Anderson when he's playing the three. And then John Morant at 92. I mean, the, the dude's just an absolute stud. He's always in play. Uh, granted, I think D'Angelo Russell has been getting pretty much shout out shouted out by the coaching staff all season long on his defense. But he's like a matchup-proof guy at this point at 9,200. It uh, won't be much longer until he's drifting back up to that 10K range. So he is in play for me, but he is also – not my favorite stud on the slate. Uh, I think there's a lot of, like I said, those 8K those guard options that could outscore him could be difference makers on the slate. It's just where do your chips fall? I know how much, I, do you play two studs? Do you play one? So I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Maybe you can answer that question. Are you looking to squeeze Ja in there with one of these other studs or are you just completely avoiding him?
1: Yeah. And uh, John, this just because of the options that are available here has just kind of been one of those where. I don't think I'll have too much exposure to him because, honestly, at that price tag, I'd rather play Middleton at $8,700. i will find him a lot more. And then, as I said, I think D'Angelo Russell has the same kind of upside, uh, given the matchup and given the pace of play, that he could probably do the same kind of DK points that Ja is going to end up doing on this game. So, uh, by and large, I'm finding that I'm going to be avoiding most of them. I'm right there with you with the ancillary guys, though. Uh, Zaire Williams got the start last game, 30 minutes, got 12 shots up. Problem is, again, he's sitting in the corner for the vast majority of the game. So if his uh, shot total isn't up there and he's not hitting him at a pretty decent clip, then he's going to have a Tony Snell-like game. And that's the only worry that you end up having with uh, someone like that who's just very niche as far as his usage is concerned. Uh, I do like, I'll go back to the whole Jaron Jackson situation. This is a matchup where he's always had foul trouble. Like... One, I've said it before, I like watching Minnesota, so by extension, I end up watching a lot of Minnesota and Memphis games. Uh, Jaron Jackson struggles against Carl Anthony Towns to be able to defend him. He gets a lot of fouls out there in the open where he's trying to go and contest his jumpers. And even in the two games that he's played uh, this year against them, even the blowout one, he got four fouls in 26 minutes. In the overtime game, he fouled out in about 31 minutes as well. But he did have a good game there, too, and he's been on its hair for the last couple of games, so I wouldn't fault you for going ahead and playing him. I mean, 57, 52, 37 in his last three uh, DK points, obviously showing that you can easily pay off his uh, his entire price tag. But I think I'm going to stick with uh, the uh, Brandon Clark slash Zaire Williams if I have a little bit of a uh, buffer to be able to get those guys in and probably end up avoiding the big guys as far as Memphis is concerned.
0: So far on the same page, pretty much, man, which is always a good thing. All right, we'll move on to the next game. Los Angeles Clippers traveling to New Orleans, taking on the Pelicans. Uh, for the injury report, for the Clippers, Paul George, Isaiah Hartenstein, Keon Johnson, Luke Kennard, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Preston, Justice Winslow, all rolled out. And then just Kira Lewis, Jr., Zion. So they're pretty much fully healthy for what we can expect, in my opinion, for, like, the rest of the season. Uh, poor Zion. I hope, I hope he does get back on the court, but I'm not really banking on it. Two fifteen and a half and 15-and-a-half game total. Two and a half point spread being favoured for New Orleans. Looking at this Clippers team, they're running out of wings. Uh, Who are you looking at? Amir Coffey getting a big price boost. Is he someone still in your player pool?
1: Yeah, and honestly, him alongside Marcus Morris were the major guys that's had as far as the Clippers are concerned. Uh, Purely, Amir Coffey, it's a situation where he's getting all the playing time that he can handle. They're low on wings. And more so than that, he's getting a lot of point guard capabilities which I'm really liking in that's in that situation where Reggie Jackson is starting with him he's actually finding himself holding the ball a lot more and Reggie's just being the guy to be able to finish off the shot so it's interesting they kind of have swapped around the roles there and Eric Bledsoe is then getting more opportunities to actually be a point guard off the bench and we're seeing that uh, with him getting seven and nine assists since last two games as well but in general. You're just not seeing that level of upside outside of Amir Coffee, who I do think still has a pretty decent ceiling because of the fact that he is becoming a primary facilitator for that first unit. Uh, obviously, he shot really, really well in the last two games. You don't necessarily expect him to keep that clip up, but the fact that he's getting eight shots and seven shots from downtown in each of those games keeps that ceiling pretty high if he can get, you know, even... 30, 30, 35% of those ones to drop rather than the uh, ridiculous 62 and 43 that he's hit in the last two games. So definitely in my player pool there. Uh, Marcus Morris just continues to be their primary option as far as offense is concerned. And he's coming off two bad games, which has uh, depressed his price a little bit. But you have to remember, nothing's changed as far as his role is concerned. He'll get a shot going again. And Really, all that was missing from the uh, last couple of games is the fact those rebounds were down. I expect in general, uh, especially with the New Orleans Pelicans game being a lower-scoring game, uh, it's going to be more rebounds available in general just given the fact that neither of these teams are really all that offensively efficient. Uh, the last Denver game was just an absolute bloodbath to be able to watch as far as offense is concerned but i do think he's still got a lot of upside to his price tag at 6500 he's got that 40 dk points ceiling where you know you can get really good value for him and then beyond that the ancillary guys can always do their stuff but I just don't trust their minutes total like Batum you never know he'll get 30 minutes one game drop you 29 and he's getting 26 with less usage on the next one so even at 4100 you feel pretty good with him as a starter in most situations right now with the Clippers I just think they're searching for things and Amir Coffey is the only sure bet alongside Marcus Morris as far as I'm concerned
0: yes very very well said and I got burned by that game I had Zubats I had some shares of Jokic it was just extremely underwhelming for my lineups um outside of those two guys it was pretty fairly well but when you get a couple stinkers like that it, it burns but i'm with you i think coffee is still very much in play he's gonna be probably uh, and even when george and these other guys come back he looks like he's gonna be a firm like part of this rotation for the rest of the season um i don't mind taking stabs at him at 4100 he just he's one of those guys i land on with the dual eligibility all the time he has the decent upside he has a decent enough floor where i can see myself going there I normally like to target point guards against Devonte Graham. I just don't trust Reggie Jackson or Eric Bledsoe that much at this point. At that price tag, we'll have some better options to talk about. So, uh, I'm probably with the exact guys you said, uh, including Morris. But I may end up having a little bit more Batum. Uh, it sounds like than you, and I, it's not like I feel great about it. It's just somebody I I probably end up landing on here and there. Uh, on the Pelican side, another guy that burned me on that slate, Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, you know, 8,600. It's where he should be priced. I was expecting him to have a huge game against Carl Anthony Towns because he usually does. Uh, but he's had a few big ones going against his Clippers team. And at 8,600, it's tough. Um, I know you're going to probably say that you're playing Middleton over him, and I won't fault you there. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is, on this slate, we don't have a ton of great center options to really choose from. So, I mean, I'm going to keep him in play on my player pool strictly because I just don't love a lot of the center options that are available at the moment. Do I see myself landing on him or being overweight on him? Probably not. I'll probably be right right there even with the field. Uh, you know, if I'm building 10 lineups, I'll probably have him in like two, maybe three. Probably two, though, is what I imagine. But he's probably the main option I'm really looking at on this Pelican side of the ball. Uh, Brandon Ingram's now all the way up at 8,900. I'll take a pass there. He's coming off of a big game against Minnesota where he put up 33 actual points, and he had 32 actual points against Golden State. I just don't want to pay 8900 for him. Um, I prefer Middleton over Brandon Ingram, for instance, and I wasn't that all that keen to be on Middleton. Actually, now I'm looking at a lot of these slates. I may have to change my tune. Uh, if some of these other guys are going to draw ownership, it might actually, you know, in that price range, it might actually pull some away from Middleton. But for the most part, it's probably just going to be a little bit of Jonas. Uh, I don't mind looking at Herb, Herb, uh, Herb Jones at 4900 He's just been one of the most consistent rookies in the NBA this season. Uh, and then you can even take a stab at a guy like Josh Hart. He's always in play, but 68 feels like it's, it's a little expensive. But for how well he's played over the past five games where he's averaging, you know, what, just under uh, like 35 DK points. But he's in play for it. We'll take it. But a little bit of a risky game. I could see this one just kind of being uh, lower scoring, another low scoring Clippers game in a row. Give me your take on the Pelicans.
1: Yeah. Well, first off, Josh Hart absolutely is just... Probably the most fairly priced guy in this entire uh, in this entire slate. Just that 6,800, I feel like he's going to hit 34 every time he goes out, and that's pretty much what's happened over the last 10 games at this point. Yeah, he's got that ceiling to be able to have, you know, that low 40s. Obviously had that one crazy 57 game, but it's not really par for the course. His entire game is on being a Swiss Army knife with a little bit across the board, and that usually ends up in the mid-30s. So I think it's one of those where if everything else, Works out and you land on him. He's something you can just kind of pencil in and be like, all right, that's my uh, that's my glue guy to be able to make the rest of his stuff fit. But yeah, I'm right there with you as far as Ingram's concerned. I think he's also very fairly priced. I'm probably not really all that much into Jonas Valanciunas just because, as you said, Middleton and there's a couple of other uh, other guys that I'm finding myself as far as that kind of eight thousand mark uh, being a little bit more a uh, little bit more exposed to because I think as far as the centers are concerned, uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, One coming up on the Brooklyn side, who I think is a great value play, especially given the fact that you're going to be likely seeing a couple of guys out. So it's just uh, I'm finding myself just in my initial lineups that the center is the one position I'm probably cheaping out on as far as the slate is concerned and getting a little bit more of the uh, guard. Uh, guard exposure there but Valanciunas is absolutely in play at 8600 he can have a huge game against the clippers the clippers don't have the size really to be able to handle them and zubats is just really the only real body they can throw because they're still waiting on hartenstein to come back as well so don't fault you there i, I was as always interested in uh, alexander walker's minutes total he got up to 27 minutes in the last game and you know it, i was surprised that in 27 minutes he only shot five times of watching that game it was like one of those where you could see he was trying to work on a shot selection and being more of a facilitator as that But again, it's one of those where I think if everything else works out and that's that one cheap guy at the end I may find myself playing a little bit more Alexander Walker just because I always believe he has the upside to be able to go off It's just hasn't happened yet. Is the uh, you talk about Melton being a tournament play I think uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker is a tournament play as well Just needs to have that one and then everyone else to start uh,
0: working their way towards him as well. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely a great way to put it as a tournament play, just because he's priced next to one of the better values on the slate in general. So probably won't draw much, if if any ownership, just simply because we'll get to it. And I mean, I can let the cow out of the bag. Probably one of the better value plays on the slate to be Dennis Smith Jr. with the recent news that came out, uh, who's 4K. So only a hundred dollars more. I just don't yeah. imagine too much goes to uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, but the dude's is volatile as they come, which means you're going to get a lot of bad games. But we know he has the capability of putting up some big ones, so I won't rule him out. Um, Glad you brought up that minutes total, because that's something I haven't even noticed. But we'll move on to the fourth game of the night. OKC traveling to Brooklyn, taking on the Nets. This is a home game. So as we know, uh, Kyrie Irving will not be playing. It's also the second half of a back to back. They're playing as we're recording this. So we'll have to keep an eye on some of these other Brooklyn Nets guys, as far as you know. Lamarcus Aldridge is quite ready to return. Um, Could be, could you know? They, I think they actually no, they ruled him out. It looks like the next two games. So yeah, looks like we're probably not going to have him either. So no Claxton. I think we know where you're going with some value on this one, but (laughs) uh, and then uh, for the OKC side of the ball, it's uh, uh, Pakovetsky. uh, Isaiah Roby, Kenrich Williams, all rolled out. I will pass it over to you. OKC, Shea Gildress or D'Angelo Russell?
1: Yeah, I, I think if given that, uh, definitely D'Angelo Russell is a more preferred pick for me. But just in general, you know Shea is, is who he is. And in an OKC Brooklyn matchup where you're probably expecting not a super amount of defense coming out. We don't actually know for sure if Kyrie's out, but I'm going to go ahead and say yes, it is. We had that news report that came out saying that, oh, they may be able to pay a fine and be able to play him at home. Don't know about any of that, but at this moment, I'm assuming that he is not going to be there. But in general, I think Shea at 8,000 is just a great price tag. Probably pretty fairly priced given uh, some of his recent performances. But we've already seen the fact that he has that upside to be able to get to 50, 60, if not even closer to 70 at times. So, again, at 8,000, as long as the matchup stays relatively close, as OKC has been doing for the last couple of games now outside of that uh, Minnesota game, then you can expect uh, him to get his minutes total up into the normal amounts and that automatically unlocks his upside. Uh, Josh Giddy as well just remains to me a guy that I always like playing he stays in my player pool that small forward eligibility for a point guard who gets a ton of rebounds as well for everything else always gives him a pretty secure floor we've seen his upside against dallas dropped 66 in that game and just in general he seems to be one of the more secure rookies as far as his role is concerned and also his shot buffet in general uh just all these little things that he's able to do he's just a very high level uh, swiss army knife guy and at uh at 7,000, he's very much in the same kind of mold as Josh Hart, but I feel like he's more involved in the offense. So if, you, or if you're if you not really looking into that or you want a little bit more upside, you may be going ahead and avoiding him, but I feel like Giddy has the opportunity to be able to do that a little bit more. Uh, the other last little part was Darius Baisley. Had a great game in the last one. His price tag has gone up a little bit as a result of it, but his minutes total is going up as well. And as you said, with Pokashevsky out and the fact that Uh, You're getting Robinson Earl having kind of a volatile minutes total as well either getting 25 to 28 minutes, but not really being all that involved. It's been basically that's taken a lot of that over. So it all comes down to whether he can get his shot going on any given night because, you know, he's going to put up. Um, anywhere between 7 to 14 shots depending on how things go but if he's bricking them early then he just stops shooting but if he's hitting well he's got the capability to get those rebounds as well so again a great guy to be able to throw into a tournament because you know he has those games where he can go off but he also has the floor that's a little bit more insecure compared to some of the other options there
0: yeah he's he's definitely a rock style tournament play um, you know I was I was trying not to include him in some of my initial builds and I landed on him a few times based on price uh, the position eligibility as well. Yeah. You know, obviously we, it's not like we always love to just target people going against Kevin Durant because it's, it's tough to be consistent on offense when you're chasing around, uh, the best seven footer in the game, uh, that can take jump shots and pretty much anywhere he wants on the court. But I think Shea giddy, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving Shea Honestly, I just like that price tag at 8K. Um, I'm struggling between him and Russell. If I think when it's all said and done, I'd probably lean more Shay me personally, uh, don't know how how it's going to turn out for me. We'll find out. But I'm going to have some decent exposure to this game in general. And I think, you know, did I? No, I didn't mention the game total. Uh, It's only a 213. Brooklyn's being favored by 10. But we've seen it time and time again. Uh, You count OKC out, and they can stay competitive. And if they're ever competitive in a game... Shea's usually returning value on whatever his price tag is. It's usually it has a lot to do with him. Same thing with Giddy. So I have interest in both those guys. I don't mind looking at Baisley either. Those are probably the only three guys I have any interest in. On the Brooklyn side of the ball, I'll let you lead because I know know your value guys here. So I'll I'll let you lead with Brooklyn, and I'll come in with my piece at the end. Yeah, and as far as Brooklyn's concerned,
1: I think the biggest piece of news you're waiting on is the Kyrie one. Because, first and foremost, if he is officially out, which I do think is going to be the case, then all of a sudden J- James Harden, first and foremost at 10 7 becomes one of my favorite guys to be able to go ahead and play. Uh, we've seen the fact that his price tag is fluctuating a little bit because of the fact that the usage is being split up on the games that Kyrie's not playing. But you know, the games that Kyrie's not there, you know, Harden's got the upside that just can't be beat. Those back to back to back to back 70 plus games we're all in that same kind of situation and he's been playing really well even in the games that Kyrie's back it's just uh, you don't get that same number of volume. so if Kyrie's out at 1070 he's probably going to be my favorite spend up I actually like him more than I like Kevin Durant in most situations just because Harden as the point guard is getting a lot more of his opportunities to get a lot more ancillary stats while Durant is more of the pure offensive option while still getting some of the rest but again going down to my favorite value play Daron Sharp Perry's 3,300 got a great opportunity in the last game, 24 minutes. Yeah, he shot six of six, but more so than that, it was just his activity that allowed him to stay on the floor all the way up until the end of the game. Uh, With Nick Claxton out, with LaMarcus Aldridge missing those two games as well, they're really struggling to have a little bit of size on there. And even though they do like playing uh, smaller lineups in which they'll have DeAndre Bembry going there, they'll have James Johnson. But just by and large, it's a situation where in this kind of a matchup, I do believe that he'll get more of an opportunity and even more so if the game happens to go out of hand that's going to keep him on the floor regardless because they just give him the opportunity to be able to stay on there and really uh, learn a little bit more of the game so i really enjoy his opportunity to be able to do well and uh, the other side is cam thomas he's been getting anywhere between 28 to 30 minutes in the last three games there again shot buffet is what's most important for him he's got 12 shots a game uh, consistently throughout this entire time and while the ancillary stats may not necessarily be there, uh, he's getting enough offense going that the rest of the stuff just kind of works out as it is. And as a result, he's got 27, 20, 31 in the last couple of games. So very solid again, as far as floor is concerned, the ceiling only rises with the, with Kyrie potentially being out. So that's another spot that I'm uh, potentially looking at to be able to round out the rest of my lineup.
0: So I'm here to ask the tough questions. Would you rather play Cam Thomas or Baisley at the same exact price tag?
1: Yeah. So, I think it all comes down to what your risk appetite is, because I do believe Baisley has the higher upside. But Cam Thomas is the more secure guy while still being able to have the opportunity to pay off anywhere between six to seven X. So basically can go off and grab you six, 10 X and win, win you an entire tournament. But then he could also be an absolute dud and really hurt you on that side. So it really comes down to your risk appetite. I probably will go Cam Thomas between the two, but I could easily uh, be convinced on Baisley as well if I'm really feeling frisky with it.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm right there kind of with you. I think I like Durant in this one. I like Harden in this one. Um, I, I wouldn't even be shocked if we see a little bit of Durant at center in this OKC matchup, knowing that you know we're not going to see 30 minutes out of favors. Um, I mean, he pretty much sizes up well with a lot of these other options that they do have. Probably won't happen because they do have those other options. Like you said, James Johnson, Sharp. Uh, we'll probably even see a little bit of a Blake Griffin appearance in this one. So... I'm probably with you, though. I think Sharp is probably the best option. He's the best point per minute producer out of those three. It just comes down to the minutes. You know, if he plays anywhere over 20, even if he gets 20, I think he's got a pretty good shot. i uh, giving us about 20 DK points. I have him right around a point per minute. But it's going to be the two top dogs in Sharp for me. And everybody else is kind of just basically a dart throw. Like, you could, I'm not going to sit here and rule out like Patty Mills. Um, you know, we've seen so many lights out games from him. He's been struggling Pretty mightily uh, as of recent, but a guy that has the upside, it's a good matchup for him. wouldn't fault you if you wanted to look that way, but it's really just going to be Harden Durant. And uh, those are both those guys. You can combine them, throw them into one. I think I'm with you. I do prefer Harden ever so slightly. I also want to see some news come out on the back-to-back, because they said he has been dealing with uh, some pretty decent knee soreness, where maybe it's a second half of a back-to-back going against a bad team. Uh, Do they rest him? Do they play him? I'm going to assume he plays, especially if Kyrie sits. But just something to keep an eye on with it being a back-to-back. If that's the case, Durant would, without sure, no doubt about it, be the top play on the slate, in my opinion. As of right now, it's going to be hard in assuming that he is good to go. Uh, Both both fantastic options, though, in this matchup. Uh, Final game of the night, Portland traveling to Denver, taking on the Nuggets. For the Nuggets, Will Barton is probable. Marcus Howard is questionable. Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, P.J. Dozier, and Vlatko Kankar all ruled out. And then for the Blazers, as we know, Damian Lillard underwent a procedure on his uh, abdomen. So he could potentially miss the rest of the year. They said they're not going to rule him out just yet. They're going to wait and see. C.J. McCollum uh, had the opposite report. He's still ruled out, but uh, he's been playing or practicing. He looks good. He's fully healthy. Norman Powell is still in the health and safety protocols. Anthony Simons ruled out for personal reasons. Larry Nance Jr. out. Cody Zeller is doubtful. I will pass it over to you. Take these uh, take these Blazers and let me know who you're playing. Yeah,
1: and I think everyone and their mother is going to be playing Tennis Smith Jr., just given the entire dearth of everyone being there. So at 4,000, he's going to be absolute chalk. It's one of those where just go ahead and eat it. You don't even really have to talk much about it. We've seen Dennis Smith Jr. get the opportunities to be a starter earlier on in the season and was just absolutely money. 41, 32, 31. Very consistent as far as his performances are concerned. And at 4,000, you know, you can have a guy who can get you anywhere between 7 to 8x, if not more. Uh, beyond that, the real interest is going to be in uh, Nurkic for me. Just purely, there's always two things. One, uh, Denver is a matchup where even though he hasn't done well this year, it's always been kind of one of those circled around. He didn't like the way Denver treated him back when he was with them. I didn't get the usage that he liked, and he's always just kind of looked to really go hard at uh, Nikola Jokic and the rest of the Denver organization. I think at 7,600 uh, in terms of my uh, mid-tier center plays or those options there. Uh, if Daron Sharp is my cheap guy, I think Nurkic is just probably my favorite as far as uh, mid-tier is concerned for centers. He's got all the opportunity to be able to produce a lot here. He's going to get the opportunity to handle the ball a lot more as well. They did that uh, in the last game as well, where he was dealing a lot in the post, and they were just not finishing. And that went, that's what really ruined his assist total, because coming into that, he had a near triple-double the night before that. Uh, also was doing quite well as far as his assists are concerned. So the upside is sky high. And then finally, Robert Covington coming off a well, the best game of the season and finally getting back to normal to what he Uh, should be as far as uh, the rest of his defensive stats are concerned. It's just been one of those where you don't necessarily want to chase the box score. 5,800 is probably slightly higher than uh, I would usually like to pay, but uh, given the fact one, last game of the slate, uh, That centre eligibility again. So if I'm not going with uh, a Nurkic or uh, Valanchunas, as we spoke about earlier, uh, Covington is fitting into quite a few of my lineups into that centre spot while I've got De'Aaron Sharp sitting into my utility. So it's just uh, his position eligibility makes it uh, a great spot for me. Uh, he's just getting more involved in the offence in general, and he's always got the upside to be able to do just so many things. So uh, Lord Covington is making a comeback, and I'm excited to see what the Portland Trailblazers are going to do in this game.
0: The defensive stats are always there for that man. I think you're right. Um, I don't. I, I think this is a fair spot for Nerkic. On paper, it's not a good matchup against Jokic because we know that Nurkic does not have the fastest feet. And Jokic is a point guard in a big man's body who likes to go out and step out to the three-point line. Uh, brings the ball up court and will sit right up top, pulls Nurkic out with the paint right towards him. And he can pretty much have his way with him at that point. But at 7,600, knowing that Cody Zeller is doubtful, Larry Nance Jr. still uh, still rolled out. Unless he gets into foul trouble, we should see significant minutes from him like we've been seeing. And it, that's really what it's always been about with Nurkic is is the minutes. If you're playing 32-plus, he's got a good chance of getting you about 35 to 45 DK points anywhere in that range. So I do think Nurkic's in play. Um, right there, Dennis Smith Jr., absolute chalk. You just eat it. And then there's one other guy that I don't think you mentioned, which is Ben McLemore at 4,200 um they're pretty much without all their wings at this point he's gonna have to play 30 minutes uh at 4200 it doesn't feel great pairing him like with dennis smith jr you know what i mean like it doesn't feel great having the portland backup you know backcourt but both these guys are at rock solid value plays you know he probably the pivot off of dennis smith jr if you're not playing him and you do want some other exposure to this game i don't mind looking at both those guys i think they're both in great spots and should see significant minutes Probably won't end up on too much Covington or Little. Uh, Mostly he's going to be looking at that backcourt with a hair of Nurkic. That's probably it for me. On the uh, Denver side of things, Jokic, most expensive player on this slate. You know what I'm going to say here. Um, I'll never rule out Jokic. It's just that easy at 12-5. He is crazy expensive. I still prefer those Brooklyn guys over him. I don't think I'll have enough to spend up. Like If you're spending up on those two guys, you're gonna to have to hit the value tier extremely hard, and you're most likely not getting one of those 8K cards like a D'Angelo Russell or a Shea Gilger. So, I think it makes more sense for me just to not spend up on Jokic, and if anything, you know, maybe just play both Brooklyn guys or play one of those Brooklyn guys and a Jonas Valanciunas, and still be able to get some of the exposure I want to the you know that backcourt tandem I just mentioned. But I won't fault you if you ever want to go there. And to be honest, I really don't love a lot of these options in general. Uh, I probably won't be going to. Too much over here in, in general on Denver. The one guy that kind of stands out to me. And he's been consistent all season long with just a decent floor, and not the high ceiling is Monte Morris. But the minutes seem to be back for him. Uh, he played 34 in that last one. He played 31 against Sacramento. So if he's back to playing roughly around 30 minutes per game, he's certainly in play. Uh, and you can guarantee that if you chase that Austin Rivers game, he kind of got what you deserve. He's still playing 30-plus minutes. He's got the small forward eligibility. So there's worse you can do. But don't just bank on him shooting, you know, six of nine from deep every single game because it's not going to happen. And for a guy that doesn't get steals pretty much at all, he's not going to have three still games very often either. So that was clearly an outlier. But at that price tag, if he's playing 30 plus, sure, we could consider him, but not somebody I'm immediately gravitating towards. I think we mentioned plenty of good value plays in that upper three low 4K where he just kind of gets put in there as a pivot.
1: Yeah, exactly. And at that price tag, you're pretty much in that same region as we spoke about Zaire Williams earlier on, as far as Memphis is concerned, who's probably in a better spot to be able to produce more than Austin Rivers on a consistent basis. You got to remember, Will Barton is back from COVID protocols as well. So that also just adds another wrench into the mix as far as uh, offensive usage is concerned. So Aaron Gordon won't get the kind of usage that he got in the last game to be able to put up that 46 and a half. So wouldn't be chasing that uh, too much either. So as you said, uh, Jokic, Always is in play. I'm also not really playing them. Just plain and simple, just given uh, how the other options are there. As far as uh, studs are concerned, honestly, if, if Kyrie is out, both Harden and Durant would be higher on the list in this state for me. Uh, we already spoke about uh, Steph Curry earlier on. We spoke about Giannis as well. Just given uh, all those matchups and all those potential situations versus a Portland and Denver game, which... They said Portland is down a lot of players. Denver themselves is also down a good bunch of guys, and they just haven't been consistent as far as offense is concerned either. So I just, like, there's nothing ever wrong with picking Jokic. I just don't have him in this matchup. And uh, the Austin Rivers, yeah, just go ahead and avoid that. If you're going to go there, look at Zaire Williams instead.
0: Brings us to our player tier segment, my friend. Uh, I think we both know we're going with the expensive tier, so we'll just knock it out of the way. Uh, You go first. All right. Well, uh, James Harden,
1: 10,700, plain and simple uh, with uh, Kyrie most likely out. I just think just we know exactly what James Harden can do. There's really not much to be able to go and talk about his points per minute, his four back to back 70 point games and just in a matchup that is going to be end-to-end stuff OKC he's a young team they're not great in any way but they're fast and they are often pesky so if they can keep it even halfway close and harden can get somewhere into that low 30s as far as minutes are concerned you know the ceiling is going to be absolutely sky high and i feel this is a great spot for him to get his stats back in order which have been a little bit uh iffy with kyrie back as far as the usage
0: is concerned yep and i will follow you up with kevin durant it was just that simple we both like this brooklyn team it seems like a lot and there's no doubt about it i think both of them they also have that rebounding upside now too. With pretty much no front court members, it's just more stats to go around for pretty much everybody. Uh, they're going to run this offense through them a lot more. I just don't see them, you know, necessarily trusting the pick and roll as much when you're looking at a guy like Sharp in there, young young dude that hasn't really ran it with Harden. So I just mostly see it, the offense being purely like ran through these two guys on a consistent basis for the entire game, and it will end up equaling a W for you. But where are you going in your mid tier range?
1: Yeah, and the mid-tier, just given the fact that it's uh, less than 8,000, just D'Angelo Russell happens to be the one that works out. To be honest, I'd probably say Chris Middleton, just but he's a bit higher than that. D'Angelo Russell at 7,900 just happens to be the perfect tournament play while he's got that rock-solid floor, given everything else, the highest point total game of the night. I believe it's going to be a super tight game as well, all the way through. D'Angelo Russell loves his matchup in general, has had two great games against them, and I wouldn't bet him against him having another one of those, just... Has been on its hair last uh, three games as well. Just, yeah, my favorite uh, point guard as far as that mid-tier is concerned.
0: I and mean, we're just staying on brand here. Then I'll go with Mr. Shea Gilders-Alexander. If I'm going to be playing, you know, one, if not two of these studs in that Brooklyn game, I'm going to want to run it back with a heavy hitter. Uh, and anytime, like I said, that a game can stay close and Shea can play significant minutes, he usually performs pretty well in that given. And this is just too che- uh, cheap of a price tag for him. He's not a guy where, you know, if you look at some of these game logs, where he's playing okay he's having decent games but a lot of his down games are games where they're like trying to lose or he just shot an abysmal percentage uh but we've seen almost a 70 dk point triple double from him not too long ago against denver plenty of 50 point games in there for high 40s mid 40s At AK he really only needs to give you like 35 to 40 to pay you off and not burn you but he has that upside where he can take down the tournament any given night and you know outscore Steph Curry, Curry outscore John Morant, uh, outscore a lot of these guys. And, and I think all, all that can be said about D'Angelo Russell as well. There's no doubt about it. So that's why, I, I, like I said before, I'm landing on these AK guards pretty often right now with my basic builds I have going. And granted, it is the night before. Things change. But that's the way I'm going. And your value play, my friend. We'll take Dennis yeah. Smith Jr. off the off the <laughs> table because that's just the chalk that we're we're probably both playing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And i uh, just going to have to stick with on brand on what I said. Daron Sharp, 3,300 as the Brooklyn starting centre. Got the start tonight as well. Has had a pretty decent start so far as far as the half concerned, 6 and 4. I expect him to get uh, pretty close to that uh, 25 to 30 DK points, if not higher. I think the upside is absolutely there. They're just so battered as far as their front court's concerned that they're going to have to actually just play him as much as they can. OKC's got enough speed. Uh, you know i would say hybrid size uh, to allow a deron sharp to be able to play who's not really i would say a traditional center as far as size is concerned he's more of a you know, Montrez harrell type of guy so this is a good matchup for him to be able to continue to get into that high 20s if not 30 as far as his minutes are concerned which makes it absolutely rock solid for his price
0: yep and then i will go to ben macklemore at 4200 i just think with the role the minutes and granted he's very volatile Uh, He just makes for a great pivot as well. When you're talking about Dennis Smith Jr., he'll probably have a quarter of the ownership compared to him. And all it takes is a good shooting night. And he's going to have the opportunity to shoot, for sure, with no Norman Powell. Uh, Wouldn't shock me if he ends up being third on this team in shot attempt, possibly even second. Uh, The dude is not afraid to just let it fly. And that rounds out everything. But now it's also time for the Thrive Fantasy Picks of the Night. What... Are you looking at my friend i mean there's some there's some decent options on here I, I think there's some that are pretty much sure fires but i'll let you start
1: yeah man and i feel like uh thrive fantasy isn't completely sure on what's happening with Kyrie yet because i'm looking at these at the brooklyn options i'm gonna say harden over here again because at nine and a half assists over at 100 points i feel like that's an absolute lock and it gives you a really rock solid base to be able to work on but uh To give that second one to be a little bit more interesting on it i think josh Giddy's the other place that i'm looking at Uh, at 14 and a half rebounds and assists i believe he has a great chance to be able to go over Uh, in general he's just shown himself to be an excellent rebounder he hasn't done worse than seven rebounds in his last but four to five games at this point now so just uh, him being at his regular diming self if uh, okc is to keep this game even somewhat close they're going to need that i feel pretty good with that pick as well
0: snagged both of them uh those were the two that popped off the page immediately for me uh and they're both great options and they they both give you a pretty solid base i'll go with uh the other brooklyn net. it's only 95 points so you're not getting the craziest you know, value on it but 37 and a half total points and rebounds for kevin durant uh absolutely think that he should hit that i mean the dude's been routinely putting up you know anywhere between 28 to 30 plus points over the past well, it feels like month, and like I said, I'm expecting a few more rebounds to fall his and Harden's way in this one. So I will go with Mr. Kevin Durant, and since you gave two, I feel inclined that I have to give two. I think Anthony Edwards over on five and a half rebounds uh, at 115. It's a little risky, but we've seen Anthony Edwards have more at the beginning of the year, some really solid rebounding games. This is going to be a high-scoring game, high-paced game. Uh, more shots equal more rebounds, more opportunity. So I don't mind taking a stab at that one as well. Just a little inherent risk there. That brings us home. That is everything. That is the slate. That is the Thrive Picks. Thank you guys always for listening. We always appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at Mike Patra M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. Give us a thumbs up, five-star rate and review. Subscribe wherever you listen. Stitcher iHeartRadio, Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, you name it. We're all over the place. It's Apple now, right? They don't call themselves iTunes. I keep saying iTunes a lot. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. And- yeah. <laughs> it is now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, That's a date myself right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no longer iTunes. If, you, if you're trying to find us on iTunes and you haven't been able to, I'm sorry. I do apologize. Uh, but we do greatly appreciate it, guys. Keep it up. See some of those reviews coming through. Always a pleasure doing this show with you, Harris. Do you have anything else you want to leave us on? Oh, not at all. It's just been
1: a fun week. I'm looking forward to the slate. And let's go ahead and take down some tournaments, as you say.
0: Absolutely. And trade me Evan Mobley. <laughs> and then, uh, we'll, we'll, end it on, we'll end it on that. <laughs> and then maybe by the time you guys next listen, I'll have Evan Mobley on my fantasy team. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.